Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Well, what a weekend. I'm sure many of you were glued to the radio and to the telly watching um, what they're calling the earthquake election unfold. An incredible um, result for Mary Lou MacDonald, uh, the leader of Sinn Féin. And it's going to be fascinating to see how that all evolves over the next few weeks. It's been kind of disappointing to look at women losing their seats, though. And at this stage, it's early days in a way in the counting still, but it doesn't look like we might even have the 35 women that were in the dole the last time around. At the moment, I think there's around 17 seats that have been filled by women. Uh, And there's some people who I think for this podcast have been really helpful uh, during times like repeal. I'm thinking of people like Kate O'Connell, Fina Gale, who's lost her seat, Ruth Coppinger, who's just done amazing work. She's lost her seat and other women who who haven't been returned. I mean, it's difficult for everybody, but we're particularly sad to see some of those excellent women go. But look, we'll keep come back to you um, later in the week and see how things have developed. But at the moment, certainly it's not looking the best for the amount of women candidates that will be returned. And if you are someone who's following all of this very closely, you will know that our brilliant colleagues over on the Inside Politics podcast have been playing a blinder. And I'd really urge you to follow them, subscribe to them and keep up to date with their daily election podcasts because it's going to be a very interesting few weeks. It's snowing outside, but it's not Christmas. It's supposed to be spring, but anyway, we're going to put a spring in your step today. Coming up on today's episode, we're going to be learning all about something called she-I-Y, which is like DIY, except you do it when you're a woman, with our guest, Laura DeBarra. She has written a fantastic book called Gaff Goddess, which for anyone who looks around their house and thinks, oh, I have to get that done or this other thing done, and then thinks they have to call someone, usually a man, to get it done, that's the book for you because there's a lot more we can be doing about our houses than we think. And it's a really empowering book. And I have a really great conversation with Laura, which is up later. But first, I'm talking to Orla Condon, who has a podcast herself called My Pod on Paper. It's a Love Island podcast. Now, if you don't watch Love Island, please don't run away. Uh, I think you're going to find this an interesting conversation and it might explain to you why so many women up and down the country are watching it and having those water cooler conversations with their friends. So here she is, Orla Condon. Orla, pretend an alien came down from space and was watching Love Island for the first time. How would you explain to him or her or they uh, what was going on? I love that this is the first thing we're telling to aliens as they arrive on planet Earth. So Love Island, guys, this is what you need to get on top of. 
Go on. It is uh, a reality show started in 2015. We're only five years into this thing. Can you imagine it? It is at its core a show about young single people finding love in a kind of sunny villa out somewhere foreign and uh, there's a series of kind of challenges and competitions and things they have to make their way through to prove that their love will really withstand you know difficulties in life boiled down it's 10 people who are either interested in love or interested in fame or a bit of both uh, heading down to either Mallorca or Cape Town um, for eight or six weeks to mingle with other people to try and grow their profile to potentially find someone uh, go through all those challenges and games and leave themselves opening open to the scrutiny of all of us who are experts on they're this They're essentially on, under video surveillance the whole time. Yeah, I think there's this. like 780 something cameras or something all around the villa. Uh, well, that was the Mallorcan villa so I, I would imagine in Cape Town it's a little bit more because it's a bigger house. Um, but yeah, they're being watched 24-7. It's boiled down to an hour long episode six nights a week. Uh, but Saturdays we also get unseen bits so every night of the week is covered with Love Island gossip and it is the talk of every office around the country whether people love it or absolutely despise everything about it. Because I have come to experience both of those feelings that you just described. So I was one of those people that when I would hear people talking about it or I would see glimpses of it on an ad or on the telly and I'd see those swimsuits which I don't even know how they wear the swimsuits (laughs) because they're not quite the... The The engineering is just They're not quite thongs but they're they're small (laughs) tiny bits up up their bum and I would see that anyway and I would just be like well that's awful. I don't want to watch people wandering around in these really ridiculous uh, swimming wear. Uh, You you know, trying to cop off with each other. Like it just seemed so unseemly. And I had fully I put my hands up to admit that I was complete another I don't know if I'd say snob, but I just thought it was not good. And when I heard yeah. people I knew who I respected were watching it, I was like going, what the hell? Falling in my estimation. Exactly. All of that kind of thing. And I think it was um, more last year in Love yeah. Island because there was people talking about her. She's this woman from Longford who came into the, the villa last time, started talking about her, very openly about her sexual experiences and desires. She was famously, some of peop- some listeners might remember, the fanny flutters. Yeah. She talked about in her lovely Longford accent. Oh. I mean, it was the same time as centre parts came to Longford as well so it was a big it was a big <laughs> time for Longford so what I'm trying to say uh, Orla is that I have experienced both those things and yeah. I've come now and I'm watching the one in Cape Town so do you understand why some people feel very again um, Love Island and think yeah. it's just trash because I did see Hozier tweeting one day and I felt I felt that pierced me to the core oh, Hozier talking about how you know uh, you'd never waste. watched Love Island and it's terrible but I also noticed that they tend to use a lot of Hozier's songs yeah I'd love to know how many sales he's getting I'm, off the back of this but I'm wondering are they doing that on purpose like trolling <laughs> Hozier but anyway so like people like Hozier who I really respect doesn't yeah. like it so I am a bit conflicted even though I'm fully invested yeah I I do understand the faults with the show and I understand the criticism and I understand even just the simplistic thing of how in the name of God could I dedicate six nights of my life every week for an hour every night to this show and then talk about it for hours on end on Twitter or in the office the next day like would you think it would like would you believe this would have happened five years ago even when we all started kind of moving over to Netflix and things like that that we would all return to this kind of scheduled way of watching television um I understand that the faults of the show and I understand why people think it's trash and at its core it is I like to th- to kind of use the descriptor of we know McDonald's is trash but we still go and have it because it's tasty and you enjoy it every once in a while and that's kind of what Love Island is it's not adding anything 
to our lives. We're not expanding our minds while watching it, but we're not painting ourselves as those people. And I think there is a misconception on both sides of people who don't watch the show, look at people who watch the show as, oh God, they've nothing better to watch. Would they not watch this, that or the other? Would they not turn on the news instead of turn on? It's like, you kind of have to grant these people that they're doing that themselves well, as yeah, well. Because I have to say in my defence, yesterday, for, exa- for one example, I, yeah. oh, I spent the whole day from like really early in the morning invested in the general election. I watched yeah. absolutely everything. I was only tweeting mm. about that. And then at nine o'clock, I said... It has to wait. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to have a little bit of escape time. Yeah, and I'm going to go... Oh, <laughs> exactly. The formation of the government. We'll find out tomorrow what's happening. <laughs> yeah. and, and I watched it, you know. Yeah. And, I, and like you say, it didn't necessarily add anything to my life. Yeah. But um, I suppose I approach it like a bit like a soap opera. There are characters in there. There are storylines happening between these people. So now we've got that out of the way. We've yeah. accepted that it's not exactly, you know, that it's candy floss for the brain. Yeah. But on the other hand, as you were saying, as as you would say, because you have a podcast about this every day, we should tell people yeah. um, that there are sort of conversations that can emerge from the stuff that happens in the villa. So yeah. while the stuff itself might not be, you know, particularly edifying for younger people who are experiencing these kind of issues and things that are going on, they get to then use those scenarios as a, mm. a vehicle to, to talking about stuff that's going on in their lives. Yeah, ga- I mean, gaslighting is one of the biggest topics I think the show has has uncovered over the last couple of seasons, especially last summer, your first season. Uh, there first, was yeah. yeah, there was a guy called Joe on it who came under a lot of scrutiny for his kind of quote-unquote gaslight behaviour uh, with a girl he was seeing at the time in there called Lucy. Um, and I think a lot of people, even some of my friends who are younger than me or colleagues in work, this idea of gaslighting, all these stories about what is gaslighting? Is there gaslighting in your relationship? And I think a lot of people who were potentially unaware that of those kind of motives in certain relationships, all of a sudden we're kind of doing a bit of an inward look and going, actually, hold on, I feel like maybe I've done that or my partner has done that to me or a friend or a colleague or a sibling has used these techniques to kind of get a rise out of me and make mm. me feel like I'm in the wrong one, actually. So I think it's taught people about some of those kind of issues. And I think as well, like I was a big Big Brother fan back in the yeah. early days of it. It's reminding me uh, very similarly of that. It's just got a lot less clothes. Yes. Like they don't wear very many yeah. clothes Big most brother, of the time. Out by a pool and then bikinis. it's also like the makeup scenario. Like the makeup is very, very thick on these mm-hmm. women. The false tan, like the sheets are all sort of muddy oh, all the time. and Violent, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, violent. So, just adding all that in. But essentially the same kind of reason I watch it is like, what's going to happen? Yeah. How are they going to relate? Oh God, that terrible thing's happened and now they're not talking to each other. So it's, it's that kind of stuff. But so let's get to Cape Town then, the villa mm-hmm. at the moment. And you do this podcast. So you do it at the end of each episode every yeah. night and it goes out. It's called My Pod on Paper. It is. And you get different people in just to talk about it. And I really like, you're very quite analytical about it because you go through every every moment in the show that was in yeah. any way worthy of conversation yeah. and you discuss oh, and you analyse than any of the general election debates we go through Love Island. Like, nothing is missed. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's incredible. It's Yeah, it's a bit mad. It, like, I think for me, there was the there was the official Love Island podcast that, that ITV do and there's a lot of people online who talk about it and I think a lot of it, like you said, is very surface level stuff. It's very, uh, oh God, the state of that or do you see your hair extensions here or your man's tattoo is rotten or whatever. And I, I just felt annoyed that that wasn't the kind of chat I wanted to have about Love Island. Like, that's all the initial stuff you have week one and sometimes you see things in your life. Like, even Jess last night, one of her extensions was visible and I was going, oh God, Jess, what are you doing? But that's very much like the first line out of a brain bubble. And after that then, there's so many more parts of this show that are I find incredibly interesting. Stuff like the Judy Care, stuff like producers' involvement, stuff like scripting or character placements or why they're bringing in certain people like Maura. Maura was a very deliberate plant last year to inject a lot of interest into that season, which was at the time 
time failing. It was two weeks in and they were getting ripped apart online that this was the downfall of Love Island. Maura was actually meant to be a bombshell in Casa Amor. So she wasn't meant to come in until midway through the season, apparently. And then they flew her out about a week or two weeks early. And Maura saved the season. Whether you liked her or hated her, that was the whole point. You had an opinion on Maura. You were saying fanny flutters. You were joking about her accent. You were doing all that stuff. But beyond that, Maura started a lot of conversations, like you said, about her sexual experiences and like even the fact that she had admitted she only slept with three men and they were all shocked in the villa and that made a lot of people go no hold on you shouldn't be embarrassed because you've only slept with x amount of people and and that for me was why the podcast was so something I wanted to do because it was those conversations I found really interesting and people online especially here in Ireland more so than the UK I think there's a lot of people who tweet about this show in very analytical ways um a lot of especially journalists seem to love it a lot of journalists from all different places tweet about this this stuff and get really into the roots of the show mm. and I find that the most interesting and it seems to be interesting with other people as well. Absolutely. And t- tell us about that aspect of, of who gets to be on it because like, again, if I was just watching it and not listening to your podcast, yeah. I would think all these people have applied like they would do to most real... <laughs> Stop laughing at oh me. Oh my God, absolutely I'm, not. I'm applied. <laughs> Well, I'd like to be on Love I'm Island. I'm hounding them in their DMs, like, hi, please, will you come on our podcast, please? No, no, I mean, um, you know, to be oh, on, on Love Island. the main I- show, I thought yeah, on our show, I was no, going absolutely not there. No, I'm, I'm watching um, Love Island thinking all oh, these yeah, people yes. wrote into ITV and said, please, yeah. let me be on Love Island. But that's not strictly how it works, is it? No, there's, there's, uh, so there is an application process. I think applicants are, applications are already open for the summer series. So if anyone's interested, <laughs> get your application in. Um, well, anyone, we have to say, you have to be very photogenic and a certain body type. You have and to be between over 18 mm. and I think uh, the other thing is you have to be single obviously yeah. another one is that you have to have a valid passport but I think they're the only like kind of yeah, quote unquote real okay. rules but you know there's but a lot of people that are immediately very nice in a tiny yeah, yeah. size 12 I don't think unfortunately no, so not I, even size my, 12 my time in the villa is never yeah. going to come but like Lizzo uh, wouldn't be in there and I would love to see someone like Lizzo yeah in there, and that's a conversation yeah. that crops up every year the mm. kind of body diversity and things like that um, I think it has gotten better than earlier seasons if you look back um, yeah. that kind of gauntly skinny girl image is no longer kind of the template that they're following which mm. is good and it is it's a small step but it's a step but, but um, they see people so there's the applications but they the producers also pinpoint people like you said but like yeah. more on Instagram yeah. who've got a big following already yeah. who are you know who really fit the bill who they think would be interesting and they kind of approach their, their headhunted essentially yeah. to be on I would say there's a lot of this year's characters that have been uh, found through Instagram and things like that people like Sophie Piper who is the sister of Rochelle Humes from ITV um, she was kind of their golden girl for the season I think that she didn't pan out the way they had hoped but people like that were most definitely found through Instagram there's always as well people who were kind of meant to go on last season and they couldn't get them across the line with negotiations and then they appear this season and things like that so I would imagine that it's kind of a year long thing of everyone keep your eyes on Instagram if you see anyone popping up that's kind of got an interesting look or an interesting story or a bit of a following so it's kind of diluted down the series a small bit and it's one it was definitely a criticism last year when every person that went in was a model every single one for about two weeks was everyone was a model and there's people being like oh bring back the receptionist who works in her local doctor's office or the guy who works in the local supermarket or and I think that is I think it's a mistake because I think you can kind of judge these people for being good looking or whatever but they're still kind of meant to be one of us but when you start bringing in people who are just kind of 
you know, micro celebs on Instagram or, you it's know, they're a bit models. boring, isn't it? It's yeah, not as it just, interesting. It just becomes a little bit more contrived. So let's talk about a couple of storylines from the one. It's called Winter Love Island. Um, they're in Cape Town. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to, there was a very good essay. And I have to say, people are writing essays about Love Island. Love it's not this. Just, I love You know, this. the chat. There's a really good writer called Rosa Lister who wrote a piece um, from Cape Town. She's a South African journalist and she, she has come like me, like to, to Love Island a, a bit uh, cold, but she's, she's kind of obsessed now about it a little bit um, she says a South African can't just start watching Love Island with no preparation there's something about the impenetrable Britishness of it the way the contestants seem like they are somehow nine years old and a thousand years old at the same time the women becoming bigger and cleaner and shinier as the episodes go by the men becoming smaller more rumpled and dusty drinking out of colourful plastic wine glasses wearing tiny clothes that I have never seen in any shop why are all the beds in the same room um, so if you come to it like from a not being involved, you do notice all these things. Yeah. But it's amazing how quickly you kind of get used to it. Yeah. Even though it is really weird to yeah. watch at the beginning, you're kind of sucked into it. But she's um, liking it despite the fact that it's finding it quite strange. She also has a good line about the wind in Cape Town. Yeah. And I can't stop seeing the wind rustling up. I know. The, the it's mad now. when you start watching. And even that that line about they're nine years old and also a thousand yeah. years old, we we kind of identified last season this, this Love Island baby voice. And Anna was very guilty of it last summer. And I think Jess is a person that does it this year where when they're talking to these the guys that they're trying to chat up they immediately go from this to hi how are you my name is Orlan oh my god and you're like why are you talking like a baby like yeah. why are you doing this yeah. and then all of a sudden they're back with their girls and they're doing deep analysis of their yeah. chat with the guy and you're going hold on this it's is like a so bizarre person. yeah it's bizarre so let's talk about uh, Shauna and Callum okay Right, so Shauna is this, um, you know, she's probably one of the oldest there by being 26, which is not very old, but yeah. she, she's there. She um, She's quite smart, intelligent, she's funny. Uh, she's quite popular with all the other yeah. women. And she hit on with this guy, she cracked on. There's also lots of lingo. <laughs> Cracking on is a it's lingo. It's another language, isn't it? Is it is another yeah. love island. I, I was saying on Twitter the other day, I heard myself agreeing 100% with somebody <laughs> and I realised, oh God, I'm You've watching changed. too much love You've island. Because they, they talk about 150% or 100 100 million percent, 110 percent when they're agreeing. So anyway, I'm only at 100 percent, but it's still not my lingo. Anyway, um, Shauna was with this guy called Callum. He's a scaffolder from Manchester. I mean, to be honest, nothing about him. I don't know what she sees in him. He's grand like. Yeah, he's not exactly. It's not as handsome as other people in the. Well, one of the girls I would work with now would fight you to the end on that. She is just. Oh, well, I suppose it's just about taste. Yeah, yeah. I would just don't see what she's into. He's got because he's got his personality even is. It's very basic. He's yeah. got nothing going for him. Anyway, Shauna loves him and they're together for four, three or four weeks, which, you know, in Love Island terms is a long, long time. Yeah. Because people get very into people after a couple of days and they think yeah. they belong forever with them. It's very strange. <laughs> um, anyway, so she's with a couple of weeks and then he goes off to this Casa Amor. So yeah. tell people who might not be watching it what Casa Amor is and okay. what happens there. It's billed as this really big test of a relationship. Yeah. So Casa Amor usually comes about halfway through the series and it's a second villa that is kind of an ear shot of the main villa just to make it even more intense and essentially it comes at a point where you either have couples starting to split because they've realised after a few weeks that you know what actually this isn't working or couples are starting to bed down and kind of form tighter bonds and kind of you think oh maybe now they'll start asking each other out and all that stuff and then Casa Amor arrives and essentially it's 12 new islanders 6 girls and 6 boys and usually the OG boys that we've known and loved for a couple of weeks will move to another villa where there are 6 new girls waiting for them and 6 new boys will move into the main villa with the original girls and it's usually about a week of the show where their relationships are tested 
And then there's a big recoupling at the end, which we saw last week, uh, which is incredibly dramatic. I don't care what anyone it says. Is, it it's very tense telly. To say. And ITV, like, I loved it. They just produced this thing beautifully. Yeah. Like, and that and we have to say, Laura Whitmore is now presenting because she is, Caroline yeah. Flack, she's having a little she bit of trouble. Yeah. She's, she's not in it, but it's great to have an Irish woman there. Uh, it is. And the way she keeps saying yes to them. Now you yeah. can go over there. I said it to her on Twitter yesterday, actually. I'm just loving the joy when you say yes. She's like, she said to me, keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because we haven't had any Irish contestants this year. And yeah, like, I was waiting we for the show I last hear, year. I kept hearing there was a Dublin woman supposed to be coming in. I don't yeah. know. Anyway. There was a lot of rumours. So, so anyway, just to say, Callum, after like five minutes it seemed in Casa Amor he yeah. saw, saw this girl called Molly yep. this woman called Molly very pretty and decided like he was having feelings for her that he'd never he'd had never for Shauna yeah. and he was a different person and all <laughs> oh I hate him I really don't like him anyway and he cr- cracked on with her very quickly well yeah. some of the other blokes who were in relationships back in the other villa they abstained and they very much didn't sleep in the main bedroom and really did what you'd expect and want yeah. Callum no he just no. realised oh it wasn't proper the thing I had with Shauna this is for real yeah. and he just decides he's given it all up to be with her and Shauna meanwhile every day in the other villa is oh racking her yeah. she knows that he's going to go off with someone because yeah. she knows that it's not real but Shauna she... is painfully relatable like painfully so I adore her I liked her from the very start yeah. um, I think she added the right amount of comedy to the show at the start she'd formed this relationship with Callum all along, we worried that she was more interested in him. He didn't really kind of reciprocate any like kind of touchy feely like moments. And she'd often try and go in and get a little cuddle and he kind of shut her down. She was trying to basically tell him to how to be in a relationship. And yeah. he kept saying he hadn't had a girlfriend before. And I think she got a lot of flack for that, that she was kind of yeah. trying to force him to be a certain way. I think now it has opened a lot of people's eyes that he just wasn't feeling it. No. And that's totally fine. Uh, like, But he uh, wanted to be in a couple because we should say to people who don't yeah. watch that if you're not in a couple, you're, you're at risk of yeah. being dumped out of the island. Yeah. So even though people mightn't be into each other, it makes sense to have these allegiances. And some people have friend couples. Yeah, to keep them safe through a certain fold off. Yeah. Yeah. I think Shauna also, despite the fact that she has kind of walked herself into this situation where she's been dumped and she's now left vulnerable, she was aware that this was going to happen. She just kind of really want to believe it and kind of hoped that she'd have changed him and he'd be the one that would prove her wrong and I think from the very start we've seen and we've discussed it on our podcast that she's a person that has been hurt quite a lot of times a lot of her thing and I don't agree sometimes she'll She'll paint this narrative and especially during Casa Moore, she was like, but they're boys. When girls go out on a night out, they don't look at anyone else. They just talk to their girls. They don't talk to anyone else. Boys go out and immediately they're looking at everyone else. And I don't think that's a fair no. statement to make. That's obviously just fair when it comes to her experience. The and other I think thing I think, I think she's just, I think like a lot of people quite insecure. I mean, I, I, I haven't heard her talk much about this, but I did hear one conversation where she said she'd lost an awful lot of weight. I think she was telling yeah. Callum or she was telling she somebody. Lost like four stone yeah, or something and, before. And I think maybe something about that is it's a residue of that and of maybe you know fat phobia she might have yeah. experienced and stuff like that is still in her we spoke to Louise McSharry about that on the podcast actually and she, and she really wanted to make that point that a lot of people don't understand what it is like to lose that amount of weight and what that does to A, your body image and B, your self-esteem and how men approach you and Louise made the point that she's probably unsure of her space now and how men are dealing with her and she's she's dealing with that change of confidence and that change of image Shauna feels very uncertain in herself for a person who is when talking to others and giving advice to others so like seemingly Well again that's like a lot of us isn't it we're great at being able to tell everyone else what to do Do as I say and not as I do absolutely So Callan came back it was was very dramatic and I I don't care what anyone says it was great television He comes back with this lovely young 
blonde uh, woman who's grand and nice person yeah. from Manchester also just down the road from coming yeah. you know, oh. <laughs> anyway so very handy and she and Sean is standing there and has made the decision to remain single and yeah. wait for him and there they come in together and it's awful it's hard and the last it. few days have been very hard watching that because of all the reasons we're talking about and and, and again as well because Callum he didn't do the thing like I'm sorry he didn't yeah. he's trying to make out like it is what it is you know I can't yeah. help my feelings and yeah, almost trying to put it on Sha- yeah just following <laughs> me on he's trying to put it on Shauna you know yeah. and um, that's dr- driving me mad and, but she, last night she seemed to kind of come to some resolution yeah, I think the ownership of this has has been placed on Shauna that she has to be the one that's okay with this and I think yeah I don't like that I, it frustrates me and I, I think this in all aspects of life not just in mm. kind of romance or whatever but this idea that you know I've made a mistake but now you therefore have to be okay with that because I've done it's done now because it's almost do. like you're annoying me now you're, yeah. you're, you're you know Shauna's putting a dent in this lovely time oh, yeah, that Callum wants out. to have he really does yeah, doesn't yeah. he would she not just get with the programme yeah, and, and even after Stop that being awkward and all that yeah, exactly and he's like you know he's like well we have to get past this we have to get past this you will, but on her timeline because exactly. she's the person who's been wronged here. Yeah. And even after the recoupling last week, um, Shauna walked away because she was emotional and Callum had to be told to go follow her. I he know. didn't even have his own accord to kind of say, oh, I might go talk to her. He's, I'm sorry. He's oh, he is vapid. Yeah, yeah. No, he's not. He's not. And he followed her up and he kind of tripped up the stairs and she said, ha ha, really loudly. And I was like, you know and what? And he went childish. Yeah, childish. And you know what? It was childish. It was. <laughs> but allow her that. She's just been really hurt. You've walked in and embarrassed her. Yeah. You've poked on the very doubt yes. that she has about herself that she's not good enough yes. and you're expecting her to be fine as soon as you come upstairs so we'll watch that very with interest those yeah. of us who are watching it and we hope that maybe someone comes in for Sean or that yeah. she finds something else because it's very awkward for her it watching is. them together there's another storyline that I kind of find intriguing there's a lovely young man in there called Luca and I, obviously this is yeah. you know, all people are like 30 years younger than me or something <laughs> like that a million years younger than me so I'm not invested in that way but he seems like a very nice chap yeah. he looks a bit like Justin Bieber if you're very into that like kind Justin of thing Bieber. it's kind of weird but not only that not only does he look like a very handsome pop star he's a lovely person Yeah, like he's had a couple of small relationships but both of the people just haven't really fa- fancied him essentially yeah. and he took someone from Casa Moore back to the main villa and she's now just turned around and said there's no sexual chemistry and all and I just don't know what's going on with poor Luke I question Roisin is he just boring no I don't see no, but is it is do you know what thing? I mean no but is it this thing that you hear and I don't I never subscribe to it but you hear people going he's too nice yeah, is it nice that guys thing last. yeah I don't know because people, people like Naz really are really nice, nice person, yeah. and, and he has a bit of character like you know he well, has Naz a- is this other guy I don't like Naz anymore sorry because <laughs> he went off on this other woman that he'd been going out with for two days yeah show some loyalty <laughs> come on I, I think Naz, say before Casa Moore, before yeah. all that happened and Cal, or Naz jumped ship, um, Naz was the nice guy, but yeah. he had a lot of personality. He got on with a lot of people right, in the villa. Yeah. He added humour to the show. And we need those characters as well to mm. break up the either fighting couples yeah. or the madly in love couples. It's yeah. nice to have those people who are kind of just a bit of a yeah. bit of character. Luke M hasn't really shown us anything other than him being nice to women. And, and also nice to his, his male and his, friends. And his friends, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's nice to everyone, which yeah. is great. Like, well done. Everyone should be nice. That should be the goal in life. But also it's like... You want a bit more from him, do you? It's like, you? If, I'm, if I'm just with someone and they're just really nice, I'm like, okay, well, we 
don't have a laugh about anything. We don't really talk about anything. We don't really do anything together. We don't really have much in common because he's just nice and he'll say whatever I like, he like. I just feel like maybe that's playing mm. a part. Again, we haven't seen enough to know. Oh, I see. You, do you know what I mean? Not be put, that there's not much his more real there. self out there, or as there isn't much to put out there. I just think he's just a nice, fairly bland okay. guy who happens to look like Justin Bieber. Okay, well, <laughs> I think his time is coming. I think he's got. He's going to run out of time soon. Really. I think. It's getting to that what point in the show. What about him and Demi? So Demi's newly single as yes. well because of Naz having gone off with this other woman who I don't really understand that either. Oh, don't, anyway, oh, don't get me started on that. So what about Demi and Luke M, no? So a lot of people were messaging us about Shauna and Luke M because yeah. I think people are so desperate to see Shauna partner yes. up. But I, I think, don't think that's a match. I don't think, I think Shauna looks at him as a bit of a little brother. I, yeah. Um, and even the language she's used is he's such yeah. a lovely boy yeah, and yeah. he's so nice and I love if a girl yeah, would find yeah. him which is very much the way I would talk about my brothers if yeah, they were single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think Demi is a more natural fit Mm. But then also I question their relationship based on the fact that if Luke M is bland, as we might suspect he could be, Demi is so energetic. She is a million miles yeah, an hour. She's true. giggly. She's yeah. hyper. She's always laughing. Yeah. And I just wonder, would they be a different pace for each other? We've also never seen them chat to each other. So uh, yeah, that's true. Actually. Maybe that's okay. why that they just don't meet in that way. Okay. So tell me now your expectations for this the rest of this how long more have we got we've two go? weeks left two weeks left will there be an Irish person do you think I don't know I would hope so I would be I would be really annoyed if there's not we had three really strong Irish mm. characters last year we had Yuande who started on the show who was in Dancing with the Stars she was on Dancing with the Stars yeah. Yeah. So she, it opens so many doors look at this I mean Maura is like uh, like loaded and yeah, quite move famous move over Michael and then Maura the guy who won it was Ireland. Irish what's his name Greg O'Shea Greg O'Shea he's now on the telly like yeah. all the time so we had three really strong mm. characters again whether you liked them or disliked them they made really big waves in the, in the, in the show even Yuande who left quite early there was a mm. lot of talking points from her that we still refer to now on the podcast and, and when chatting about the show um, so I think it would be really annoying if we didn't get mm. an Irish character in there I also am furious that we didn't have an Irish person in there for when Connor and Connor were there because I couldn't understand why in- the English and the UK viewers had to keep saying Connor with a G and Connor OG when Connor and Connor are two different names and an Irish person would have been able to make that distinction See, this is how you dive so deep into it this it infuriated me <laughs> Connor and Connor are two different names. That's like saying Orla with an O and Laura with an L. They're two different names. You shouldn't have to say them both like that. Doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, a lot of Love Island doesn't make sense. I know, yeah, um, if you start applying that rule. <laughs> um, so, okay, and like, I suppose the thing is, there's a lot of people who may be even thinking, what is the women's podcast talking about this for? But there is a lot. that <laughs> <Even> could, no. <laughs> no, I'm not, but because I'm into it now, but I can understand that. The thing is, it does, um, I, I, I know that there's families who sit around watching it, um, like I, even in my own family, uh, my sister, you know, with her teenage kids, and it allows them to have conversations that they wouldn't otherwise have so for all the kind of superficial stuff and yes it's trashy and all that there is that other side to it isn't there I would definitely say it's probably like a 60-40 mix of 60% kind of crack mess and good looking people in bikinis on on this glorious island all that kind of stuff but there is 40% real discussion about kind of what's happening and and whether you'd like to kind of acknowledge that or not or whether you diminish these people mm. as being kind of dumb and vapid and all that I think that's you making a judgment call on these people without actually watching the show and I find that that a lot of people who criticise what we do and the show itself are people who have never watched even one episode mm. but that or, would have been me to be honest that yeah. was me I was but I didn't do it publicly but in my head I had very yeah. strong judgments about yeah. it oh no people yeah. do it very publicly to me yeah. well I just feel like I'd never do that judge publicly anything because everyone's into what they're into and absolutely. I think it's ridiculous to judge people but yeah. In my head, I was judging away, judging yeah. a lot. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it's it's understandable to a degree, but I think when it's like this 
outpouring of abuse to people who tweet about Love Island or who share videos or who talk, do podcasts or whatever. Yeah. You're kind of like, hold on, but you've never actually watched mm. it. You've never actually let yourself even try and understand the space. And I understand why people dislike it. I would just like people who dislike it to understand why we like it so what much. What about for you next? Because you work as a journalist. Um, yeah. You do this podcast, which is which is uh, sponsored now, SponCon and all that yeah, by uh, Just Eat and all that. So, you you know, you're getting some money out of it, which is great. And you, I have to say, I've listened to it. You're a fantastic uh, broadcast at sort of analysing all of this and you're funny and I mean I, I laugh Thank out loud so hilarious. What, what next for you how has is this going to help you kind of because you started it because you lost your job is that right yeah yeah so uh, Fenil Jones does it with me as well who is the official Love Island correspondent of Ireland yeah. she is absolutely okay. the bible when it comes to the show and she had started to grow up quite a big following on her Instagram uh, just by putting up Instagram stories after the show finished and then last year the two of us were working together and we, we both lost our jobs and it was an idea that we had been working on while working together and it was literally two days before the show started I text her just being like are you free to do like would can we do this like can we dedicate this amount of time and we knew that we were independent we weren't supported by anyone we didn't have money to market we didn't have any of that kind of stuff we knew that we were going up against big media houses here and in the UK and we thought like look either we'll do this and we'll flop and no one will listen to it and it'll be a failure and we've had some crack and we've kept ourselves busy and forgotten about the dole check for kind of a couple of weeks or we'll do we'll really put it into this we'll do it every night we'll do it as quickly as we can right after the episode we'll beat everyone else to it get it out the fastest and hopefully our lack of kind of a a structure where that prevents us from being brutally honest will be the reason people like us and it was the fact that we could kind of be we could curse and we could have a laugh and we could just get laughing for five minutes and not say anything and you know we could do all that because we weren't kind of a part of a company that had to have a voice and I think that started the two of us are now working now and it's kind of grown into this this thing. And people are listening. Do you have stats? Do you, do you know that it's popular? Or? Yeah, we, we actually, last night we just checked in our figures. We For this season alone, we've got 115,000 um, downloads on this season so That's far. amazing. Yeah, it's madness. It really is. And we've noticed that our listenership in the UK is starting to grow and we're getting a lot of messages from people who say, you know, we're so disappointed by the ITV podcast and you guys were this kind of, you know, real talking people who sounded like, and we always get it, you're the girls in our group chat and you're our friends. And I know, you probably know that meme of the girls sat by that poster of three people talking and what it feels like when I'm listening to a podcast and we get sent that all the time and and you probably know it yourself and like people have no idea how much that means when you come from doing this every night you're not getting home till kind of one or two o'clock in the morning Mm. you're doing it constantly every day it's a lot of pressure and you're doing it for no money last year and for people to say that and people to go ye are brilliant you're the first thing I put on when we wake up in the morning you kind of go okay look it mightn't be changing the world but we're bringing a little bit of relief into people's lives for an hour every morning so is it going to do something for you professionally do you think or has it already well I mean I'm sat here talking to you I mean who was I to you this time last year you know what I mean like but honestly who was I have to give a shout out to Marion Keys who (laughs) ran me up and said Marion said to me Roisin you have to listen to this that'll be written on my tombstone I have to give a shout out to Marion Keys this is how bad I am because she said to me it's called my pod on paper and I was like that's a weird name for a podcast <laughs> she's like Roisin my type on paper because in Love Island that's what they say yeah. all the time our sound I turned just like last week and was like lads where did the name I come know. from and we were like oh come yeah, on I'm sorry I'm like your sound editor <laughs> no. so I find I learn a lot from listening to you because it's stuff that never occurred to yeah. me but anyway I have to say Marion was the one but who told me but people like you people like Marion Keyes <laughs> people like Louise McSharry but everyone we've had on the podcast they're all genuinely people that I just admire and pestered on Twitter <laughs> to be like you'd never come and talk to me about Love Island for an hour 
or tomorrow. Like I'll get you food or I can get you a taxi home or whatever. Yeah. Like and these are all people that I really look up to and none of these people would have known me before this. And yeah. like obviously I, there's I'm multifaceted and I have other things to talk about but it has become kind of a, an, a door opener for me and it's kind of introduced me to communities that I wasn't a part of before which is great. Um, I'm also learning a lot. Like a lot of people would message me about kind of certain things in the show that mightn't affect me because they're not my life experience that right. is their life experience and they're talking to me about that and kind of how certain scenes to them were actually really pivotal that we might have glossed over okay. and that is great as well because mm. I'm just and that you can apply that to everything then you know yeah. you're taking that and moving on um, but it's been yeah it's been mad like we didn't think I think we had 40 listeners every episode our first week and now we're like 6,000 listeners every episode this year it's and brilliant. it's mad like. so you'll be back after this is finished you'll be back for the next Love Island there's no sign of it stopping and well hopefully not yeah <laughs> touch wood like hopefully not brilliant well I, I have to say it's it's really enjoyable and, and I'm sure some listeners are going I can't believe I've just listened to a whole thing about Love Island but maybe try out one episode yeah, I mean I, I know I know that feeling of feeling it's not for you because I was that soldier yeah. uh, but I'm sorry I'm sucked in now yeah. and, it, and like I say I was listening to the general election stuff and it was just a nice little window yeah. of my day that and tonight is a good else. is a good one to get into as well because we vote offs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so and we've kind of... we've put you up to date with Sean and Colm. You know the yeah. whole backstory, so no you can go now. and watch. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jordan. Thank you Condon. so much. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. Thanks very much to Orla Condon from My Pod on Paper, and you can find that podcast on all good apps. Our next guest, Laura DeBarra, has just released her brand new book, Gaff Goddess, and it's full of tips and tricks to help you run your home. From fixing a broken sink to removing mould in the bathroom, it's a book for anyone who is sick of, and I'm using air quotes, calling the man to undertake basic repairs. Laura spoke to me about living and working in London, how the idea for the book came about, and why we shouldn't be afraid to roll up our sleeves and get stuck in. Laura, this is a fantastic book that I think we can say is truly groundbreaking. And it's weird because it shouldn't be. I mean, it shouldn't be weird that we're talking about women doing stuff around your house because that's totally normal, it sounds like, but it is. And you've done the book on it. Where did you get the idea? Um, I At work, I was having to learn a lot of stuff myself for a few different reasons. I could see that we were getting contractors out to do jobs that I could do. I was having to wait a long time for an appointment. The job had to be done. We had to keep budgets down so I could buy nice things rather than spend it on like getting a leaking tap fixed. So I started researching stuff myself. I knew a little bit and learning, but everything I was learning from was like, boring, it didn't get to the point, there was no safety notes, it wasn't nice content to be consuming and I wanted something like the magazines and the books I read and the fashion illustration that I look at, I wanted something like that to learn from and when I started reading DIY books at the start, of course I picked up the pink ones for girls and it was literally just like a book for dummies but it was pink, they may as well have said like, hey stupid girls, this is DIY so I was like, oh good and then I started reading the ones for beginner men where it was like you're not a real man you don't know how to do DIY well here's a dummy book for men in DIY and I was noticing there was this like grey area for guys that weren't experts and women and where was this book for like chic people with great taste who are capable in every other part of their life and they just want to learn more about the home but they don't want to read something they wouldn't normally like in a style they wouldn't normally read and I had been 
like collecting loads of notes and drawings myself for work and I was making it into a little book anyway for friends moving house and for tenants that would constantly have problems. So when Fiona, the editor at Transworld Penguin got on, um, she was like, would you write a book about this? And I was like, yes, I have this mess that's teletaped together. Let's look at it. That's amazing. And did that, did they come to you because of your Instagram profile or what? where is it? Because these days, you know, it's funny, before we used to think, well, people don't get book deals from being mm. on Instagram. But mm. actually now, if you build enough of a following and you've got a community, which you clearly did, then editors will come knocking on your door. I think, like, I'm not very good at Instagram and it was a private page at the time. So uh, you only were able to kind of know about it if you heard about it. And then, because I was kind of like mortified putting out stuff that I was doing at work online, because I'd be a bit more private than that about my work. And it had been, um, Emer had put it in the Sunday Business Post. And I think it was starting to get like a bit of a niche kind of following where people were like, this is what I need. I don't feel like I'm consuming online content. I'm learning about my house in People like online content because it comes to you easily. Were you it, putting up demonstrations and videos yeah, and things? Okay. Cleaning the dishwasher, you know, like fixing a broken window handle. It was just little bits that like I knew people. I only had maybe maybe 2,000 followers or something at the time. It wasn't like a huge following. But I knew that it was stuff that people would want to know who are like, because birds with feather flock together. Like we follow people that we like and are into the same things. And it's, it was stuff that people were relating to, I think. It's only kind of since we started writing the book, things really started like, like getting, re- it started getting really popular. But I think it's through word of mouth as well. I'm not very good, like I'm not very good with hashtags and tagging and highlights and stuff. So I think it's been nice that it's been like naturally gotten bigger just through people saying this worked for me, you should try this. Which is so nice. what is the biggest response? Because you have everything in there, you know, to do. You, you have to tell people how, how to build a toolkit that they'll need um, basic stuff, uh, like like you said, the dishwasher. Name some of the other um, things that people are responding to you about and saying, look, this really helped. And um, there, There's the practical side of things with like um, under kitchen sink leaks because people think they're huge and they're not that big. Siliconing a bath, people love. Um, like fixing a leaking tap is always really popular. Light bulbs, like it, people are always too embarrassed to say like, I can't work out this light bulb and I don't also want to pay someone to do this. So any information on it, there's a whole chapter like section on light bulbs because it's something that can make you feel more in control at home. And But one message that always comes through is people saying like, hey, I watched this and I, I fixed this, but I just want to say thanks a million. You've changed my outlook on my how I see myself in my home. And like we did an event last Thursday and somebody said, you know, like, thanks a million. You've helped me with stuff around my home. But also like I now have like the confidence where I read a red lip to work and like, you know, I feel way more confident in myself. And like that's the Shiiy message. It's like it's it's genderless, you know, even though it's Shiiy. And there's a lipstick on the front. It's more that like these scary things don't need to be, you know, like in metal and screws and nuts and bolts. It can be a fab lipstick and can be camp, you know, and fun. Because I think it's there is a lipstick on the cover and it is called Gaff Goddess, which is very female. But mm-hmm. it's interesting to hear you talking about guys as well, because mm-hmm. I've heard from a few men who uh, maybe their dad was really good at DIY, but never really passed on the stuff. I mean, some dads are brilliant like that. They have the, mm-hmm. the young fella and it's usually the young fella beside them learning all the jobs that they know how to do. But um, I don't know, I think there's something, there's a generational missing bit where there's a lot of young men as well who feel they should know all these things 
and they don't and they feel a bit, uh, you know, useless because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, whereas women, we're sort of not expected to know it. Yeah. And that's why it, I think it has such an empowering effect because now you're taking control. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I have to say this as someone who's never like wired to plug or anything like I'm terrible but I, I will, I'm going to try some of the things in your book please do and like let me know how you get on as well because like it's always nice to hear the way people use it differently mm. and I think the one thing about Gaff Goddess is that like because it's not driven towards a certain age group or a gender like my mum has learned loads from the book even though she's set up many homes in her time she's capable she does loads of DIY the reason there's a grey area is the home has changed my mum didn't grow up with the dishwasher LED lights you know like they weren't like siliconing bats and they didn't learn those kind of things and we've got such a different home now that people aren't passing it down because they have nothing to pass down and I think it's that the home has changed the knowledge hasn't come through you know and I also think like I was one of my friends when I was speaking to him about it he was just like people think I'm thick because I'm not good at DIY you know and or because I'm a guy I can't just be okay at it I have to be great at it and it's that like that's what I wanted to get rid of, you know, like it's not like there's all these niches in DIY. Like where is the one for the people, you know, who for the normal people? Basically. It's funny. I was talking to a couple um, two days ago and they were saying that they'd done most of the work in their house themselves. And one of the guys said, it's amazing. You can learn to do anything badly from YouTube. Yes. And he was laughing because <laughs> he was talking about the fact that there's loads of jobs that he's done. Haven't quite, you know, the little gap <laughs> at the end, and you know, hasn't quite got to that bit. Um, but there are a lot of tutorials and like mm. how to do this, but that doesn't necessarily. You're kind of reaching for a, a better way of telling people, yeah, that that like you say has the safety notes that also yeah. has the pitfalls when things go wrong and mm-hmm. th- and that kind of thing. That's I because I was finding I was never able to get a source that I could just rely on that one source because they'd be they'd be promoting a product, for example. A lot of things now online are spawned, so you can trust. Sponsored, just in case anyone's not sure. (laughs) They're sponsored, which means the person may not actually like the product. So you don't know whether they are genuinely saying this is great and this is how to use it. So I think I wanted something that had, like going to a big sister or a big brother who's like, they're looking out for you, as well as telling you the best way to do it from their own experience. I mean, there's this thing, and I, it is. I was just when I read it in your book, but you, you think we think we have to call the guy, the man, get a man in to fix that. That's kind of the way we talk, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how society has to, has told us to be. And you're kind of turning that around, aren't you? Mm-hmm. That we can all be the man. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift has a song called "If I Was the Man." If really? you're at, <laughs> it's a great song. I must listen to that. Now, yeah. Getting ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that we can all be that man in our lives or that person in our lives because it shouldn't be gendered, I suppose. Yeah, I, it shouldn't be. But that's how it like we fall back on turns of phrase that we're used to. You know, I think it's when we say like call the man, we mean like call someone who we think can do it better than us, you know, like and I think we can all do that. And it doesn't have to be that you have to be able to fix it. It could be something that you're you're not an electrician, you know, or could be something to do with gas it's that you can identify where the problem is coming from that's what gives us a lot of power and control around the house and there's a checklist in it where you can go through and check them like it's like a medical for the home and I do it every time I get into a new property at work and like it makes you look at parts of the home you never look at and you're kind of saying okay that's okay there's a little bit of flaking paint there and it's just really like like meditative kind of like state of mind when you're doing it you know you're kind of like empowering it's it's almost like saging a house in a way because <laughs> you're going into every corner and you're starting to take ownership over the space by knowing what's there even if you find something bad you know that it's there 
Yeah, that does sound very um, empowering. Um, you also talk about something I thought was very interesting called zoning. And I've kind of like a bit, I think I'm going to get really into this and go back to my house and realise nothing is properly zoned. It's all terrible. <laughs> I mean, zoning has different connotations in Ireland and lots of things were zoned very badly. <laughs> but but um, tell us about zoning and what that means and how that can change how you live in your house. Zoning for me is, because um, now we live in spaces where rooms have multi uses you know like in old houses they'd be like this is the dining I know, room yeah. and this is the maid's quarter and this is where we prepare the meat like it's like nowadays it's like here's my living kitchen dining study I do yoga in here I fight with my boyfriend in here <laughs> I cook I entertain describing my, my and there's kitchen. my hammock in the corner and <laughs> oh I would like a hammock though. I know That's oh my god yeah yeah but we can zone, we can zone. We around. can zone a hammock in. Yeah, <laughs> you can zone what everyone. I think the zoning chapter is about how we are told how our home should be set up. But every, nowadays, like we, everyone is different and everyone is living quite different lives. People work from home a lot more and people want different things out of their houses. And you should set your home up for your lifestyle. And when I was writing that, like that chapter is just so close to my heart because like I've always rented. And when I lived in a shared flat, I had an illustration kind of like side kind of hustle going on. I'd have an illustration corner, my actual work corner. It's my bed in the middle of the room. And it was really zoned. So when I was in each zone, I was in the zone, basically. And I wanted to kind of bring that into my house when I moved in with Shane. And like in work, I do it all the time because I'm trying to make spaces. A lot of our tenants are not from London, like everyone else in London. And they're there for the first time. And I want them to be able to go in and there's a reading corner or just to go on their phone. And, you know, at night time, they can turn off lights being in the bed and there's a zone there. Where you can plug in your phone. It's really important that your home is zoned and set up so that your day runs the way you want it to, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's all about having everything in that particular area that you need for that for, for the that things area. that you're going to be doing there. And whether yeah. that's a relaxation space or yeah. it's a place where you work or that you don't have to go running to find something yeah. some, from some other part of the house to put into it. Yeah. But tell us about the switching on and switching off bit. So this is something that like I find really helps me. Um, I think that like every morning we have to be aware, like the things you do every single day should be the things that are most smooth in your life. And switching on in the morning for me, it should be something that sets me up for the day because life is hard, right? And days can be hard and we can go through times where there are tough times and there's great times, but your switching on is always going to be the same. You're going to have to get out of bed, you're going to have to get dressed, you're going to have to get to work. So like if your switching on is just having a quick coffee and going on Instagram, why aren't you sitting in the most comfortable seat in your house to do it every morning? Like why aren't you drinking your coffee out of the nicest mug you have? You know, you're doing it every day. Enhance these things you do every day. And I think like, I, it's, it has helped me when I've had I used to get really bad at panic attacks and stuff like that and I started to become a lot more mindful of my switch on and my switch off and like my switch off section in my house is like it is the most comfortable seat everything that kind of calms me is around it and if I'm on the phone to let's say my mum and I really want to enjoy something I'll sit in my switch off section or if I'm like oh thank god today's over I'm going to have a glass of wine I'll sit in that section and I only switch off there and it's not even a section it's literally a corner of a chair because I live in London but it's I'm really aware of my switching on and switch off moments and I really think it helps me a lot and when I've said it to people and I've been like try it just so I'm not mad and people have like the feedback is always that it's like it's really helped them Do you have children? 
No. Do you zone for ch- for families as well? And is I that, would zone because I'm just thinking like I live in a small house. I mean, I'm really loving what you're saying mm-hmm. for a start, and what I've read in your book because it's so practical. I'm always listening to you like yearning for that. <laughs> like <laughs> I want it, and I'm going to read those things very closely and, and try to adapt it. But but I'm thinking of my kids running in and out and doing their things that they need to do and throwing their uniforms here and blah blah. Like, is it possible to get kids into zoning? I as think well? kids are even better to get into zoning because kids hear so many rules throughout they're in school they're in nursery school everybody's always talking to kids with rules and boundaries and I think so they're more likely to be like oh another one I need to follow not that they'll follow it but like it there whereas I think when you say to an adult change the way you live they're like sorry so (laughs) whereas I think a kid might be more like more open to it and I think if you were to say to somebody like this is where you get ready in the morning you know, like I would actually might have enjoyed that. I think now that I think about it as a kid, because I would have enjoyed that little bit of order where I know I stand somewhere and I do because we stand in the same place and we brush our teeth. And why can't we put that in? Because, you know, the way getting on, I used to think like, oh, if I could get into my school uniform before I go to bed, I wouldn't have to get up then and actually get into <laughs> I it. I know. Whereas you could have a getting <laughs> I on. I think I did that a couple of times. Actually. I de- definitely did. <laughs> Me and my sister have definitely done that. And um, I think it's. It's something that you could, if you started early with it, it could, you know, like not that you have to be like, you're only allowed to play in this zone. It's not really the playing and the toys and stuff. It's just more about the things that they constantly do. If they're done within the zone, less things go missing, maybe, you know, like a homework zone. I think it could be really positive because I think life is a bit hectic now for kids compared to when we were young. Yeah. Going back to the tools now, like Mm -hmm. drills and all those things. And I know it sounds really like wussy of me but like I'm a bit afraid of that kind of stuff like the the, the machinery of it mm-hmm. and the kind of you know, I just wouldn't trust myself I feel like I'd you know poke holes in things that I didn't want to poke holes in you know or myself or something like that but do you get that are, are people reticent or do, do people get into it and say oh no I'm, I'm really confident now or what do you talk how do you sort of talk to people who are more fearful around those things I would talk to them like I would have spoken to myself at the start because I was fearful and it wasn't even my property. Like it was my work property. If I put a hole in it, like, and there's a tenant moving in in a couple of days, like, you know, I'm going to have to fix that really quickly. So a lot of like the book when it comes to tools, it's like in a really simple language to describe what they do and why this tool came about and how to care for it and how to use it. So I'm hopefully like making it less scary because the more you know about something, the less scary it is. eh? So it's kind of like and you when you learn how something works. So and you don't need to use a lot of power tools when it comes like if people read this book and they go on to wanting to do even more advanced DIY excellent if they're like I'm happy with that because I know I can fix most things around the house that's good as well but for most things around the house there's not a lot of power tools needed which is good it's just that screwdrivers and hammers and there's way to use them and ways to buy them and not waste your money buying the wrong ones as well and making stuff from Ikea like flat backs yeah, and things or like you might want to upcycle something or something might break and you need a spare part or you need to replace a toilet seat you're just so practical and full of, um, you know, common sense. Were you always like this as a kid? Were you the person like in your family or in your friend circle that people kind of go, oh, you know, Laura will know, I'll ask her. I don't know. I think my mum was always like, because my parents are divorced and my mum, like my dad would have only been up the road, but like she wasn't going to call him exactly. You know, like, I mean, you were hardly, you know, has things. Dishwasher's <laughs> <laughs> broken, honey. So um, she would have just done it and there would have been no kind of like, you know, bravado about it. It would have been fixed because we had to get it fixed. There's four kids. That's a washing machine. We're not going to call in a contractor. It was different times then as well, you know. And um, so I think we would have just grown up just doing that. I love problem solving anyway. 
But I think at work I had I had moved from fashion into with the same boss into property. But I really wanted to. I felt a pressure to prove myself because I was leaving something my degree was in, and I think that's why I started to think of things, problem solve them, do it yourself. You know, you can do this, and if you can't do it, know like your limit and who to call to kind of like check it out. You know, like right, that's gas related. I know which company to call and which company not to call. You know, like. I don't I think like I've always been a problem solver, but I haven't always been like mad into DIY, you know. Have you had any massive DIY disasters? I've had bits here and there. Like I had a wardrobe fall on me and um as I was building it. But it was fine. It was just like for a second, you know, the second when you're I was just lying on the floor and it was on top of me and I was like, Oh my god, like is this something broken? Have I died? <laughs> Sorry. How do, it was hilarious, like how do I get out from under here? And when I pulled back up the wardrobe on the bit where the doors go in, there was like a big smear of red lipstick. And that was actually hilarious. <laughs> and I was winded and I was like I was just like and there was no one around. You know when a kid falls and they see someone looking at them and they cry, if there had even been one person looking in the window, I would have bawled. But instead I just had to like get my breath back. And then I was like pushing the wardrobe up into place because I was just lifting it up and then it just came back down the top of me, but it was a smudge of red lipstick the dent in the ego like you know I was listening to loads of disco music like having a great time and then I'm like sprawled on the floor but other than that it's not been there's been like gross things but there hasn't been anything too like I like to make sure I'm safe and what I'm going into and if I've ever messed up like a hole's gone and or like something's not going into a wall the way it should let's say I'll go down to the DIY store and the guy or the girl there I'll say like this is the kind of wall this is what's happened and then they're like ah did you know that like some of them are backed in this steel and then I'm learning you know like so I don't mind a mistake because I think I learn more from them I don't see them as like a sign that I'm bad or a sign that it's you know everything's going to go wrong it's more like oh this is new Mm -hmm. Like, learn this. Mould is something that people ask you about a lot. All the time. And uh, <laughs> you're very um, careful to say that you need a bit of protective gear for mould yeah. and that the spores can... It's not something I would have ever thought of. Yeah, it's like, because mould spores are actually like all around us now. Like, okay. it's just how the world works. We It needs to be around. And it's if the, when they land, they have some, they have moisture, which they live for. They have like maybe soap scum, which they're like, I can dine out on that. Like, and then they, they're like, why would I leave? I have everything I want. Like, I'm just going to grow into something that I can now be visible and let people know I'm here. And it's though once it becomes visible like that, it can actually get read. It can. There's a lot of I like to give like overly safe advice because somebody will always bend the rules. So if I say like, if it's a little bit of mold, you may not need it. I'd rather say always have it. And you can actually flick these spores into your lungs and people can get really bad chest infections. And you don't want to scare people to that extent, but it it does happen and it has happened to a lot of people um, that I've spoken to. They're like, oh my God, my mum's gotten a really bad chest infection. We didn't find out for ages. And I think mold scares people because no one knows how it works. So once you figure out how something works, you can stop it at the beginning and prevent it rather than cure it under stressful situation, you know. Yeah, uh, It's interesting because there's been quite a few books about cleaning and about decluttering and about all of that stuff. We know Marie Kondo and everything. But yours definitely, like it's a whole other thing, really, mm-hmm. isn't it? I mean, that you could say mould might come into a bit of cleaning, but yeah. really these are practical things you can actually fix in your house. Like there's a, I don't know, is it a weightier thing or something? Because the cleaning has been done to death, really, hasn't it? It has. Like, I think with the cleaning, the thing was the cleaning came around through social media a lot. So that meant that it was with social media, it goes and comes like it comes full circle. It is huge and then it just disappears. And I think like 
with something like this and with also with cleaning, I think not everyone's into it. <laughs> not everyone's into I'm not into a lot of product in general. I don't like a lot of to consume chemicals. a lot. Yeah. Mm. Chemicals, I don't like to buy loads and loads and loads of makeup. Like, I like makeup, but I don't like to have, mm. like, here, look at my 17 drawers of foundation, you know? Like, I'm um, so with cleaning, I wasn't really into sprays and chemicals and stuff like that. And I think, like, so it's the cleaning is a niche, but not everyone can use it. And decluttering is a niche, but not everyone, like, I love stuff. Like, I always say I like my house to look like an 80s brothel. Like, but with, like, a, an Egyptian twist on it, you know? Like, I like gold, black and gold and, like, chintzy and, like, I, I love all of that. So, like, decluttering and, like, minimal spaces. It's not for you. No, like, as in, it's really not for me, but I do love the concept behind it. Whereas I feel like Gaff Goddess, like, my mum, like, again, like, we zoned one of her room, like, in her kitchen. We made a little zone and she was like, I've been in here every single night reading. And I, for me, though, it wasn't just like, yay, my mum's using my space. I was like, my mum is sitting down after work and she's found a time on her own to read and relax. And I know that my mum does. She's got four kids. She doesn't switch off often. She hasn't been trained to switch off. <laughs> and she was switching off without realising it and using a space in her home. And it really was like, that's why I think like this book isn't just, it isn't like a trend book. Yeah, right now people are learning how to do more themselves. But I think it's a book that you could have for literally like someone in like 20 years. I mean, they'll probably be like, light bulbs, lol. Like, we don't use that on the moon. But they will be like, I switch on and switch off, you know. <laughs> sorry. No, don't be sorry. I like the light bulbs, lol. Gag. Um, what about your partner? Is he a DIY aficionado? Well, he... um was actually a technical teacher in secondary schools. I didn't know, like, now he's in digital marketing and um, I don't think he was cut out to be a teacher. Also, I think here you go into as a teacher at 19 and you're teaching people who are 18. And as a boy, that must be terrifying. Like, in a boy's school, you know, you were there a year beforehand. And um, he is, like, super handy. But we don't, like, do a lot of DIY maybe at home. But you don't have DIY dates or anything? No, I mean, like, I do feel like there's certain things that you just don't do as a couple. You know, that kind of way, like, like it's it's more that, like, I love doing DIY on my own because for me it's, like, meditating. Like, I love going into the problem, solving the problem, you know, like, and it's not just that it's just my partner, but, like, I think anyone sometimes around is kind of distracting. Mm. But it is great that, like, if we're going to bed at night, I'll be like, oh, my God, guess what, right? So I was cleaning out this dishwasher or, like, this broken. And then he's, he knows what I'm talking about. And he'll be like, oh, my God, me, what did you get to, like, fix that? And then I'll be telling him the solution. And he's like, that's so interesting. And so it's actually nice to, that's one thing we have, like, we have really a strong connection over is like problem solving DIY I guess so romantic oh listen <laughs> I mean <laughs> stuff dreams are made of. Um, you had a couple of amazing events to launch your book mm. and like you had one night and then you had to have another night because the interest was so big did you expect the demand I mean it feels like that there's sort of this hunger out there for the information that you're giving to people and have you noticed that did you expect it were you surprised by it I didn't ex- I, I didn't expect like I didn't even expect to even like be writing a book you know like I did think all the way along I was like Jesus they're going to find out now that like this book shouldn't even be you know (laughs) like you kind of doubt it you know but I always thought that like if this can just get out to enough people it's going to like help people change something or like people are some things things in this book are really going to resonate with people so I I, like I'm sometimes I'm sitting back like on Thursday night two sold out shows I was like this is crazy but like you should have seen the atmosphere really we've been talking about it a lot today like 
It was so different because I used to go to a lot of um, makeup events and not just makeup, but like industry events um, with a friend of mine that works in mag- in a magazine. And, um, you know, everyone's trying to make sure that they, I'm cool. I'm supposed to be here, you know, like, oh, you know, and Thursday, like people were saying like, you look great. You could hear people like really bringing each other up and people asking questions, not worrying about sounding any way. Like it was just like this vibe where it's just like, it's okay that you don't know everything. It's okay that you're not the best. It's okay that you're not, you know, the like supreme in here. Like everybody was just like, you're here. We're obviously cut from the same cloth. That's, it's like the Shiai sisters, you know, there was men there, women there, like young, old, like it was just such a vibe. And it, that was, I couldn't believe that it was getting such a good response. And then last night I was like, wait, I can totally believe this. Like, I can totally believe it's getting this response because look at like the people it's, like resonating with it's everybody you know like I still can't believe it but like it was <laughs> it kind of became a bit more like believable yeah last night. and it's gaff is gaff used in the UK is the same amount or is it just an Irish thing um so gaff in America is like a really um commonly used phrase where it's like a fake um camel's toe that you can slip into your underwear and um sorry for a, a female appearance camel toe yeah if you're a man yeah, or you know, if you if you um want to achieve a female appearance and you're wearing tight fitting clothing and um it would be mainly driven towards the male market if they wanted if they were wearing women's clothes and it's uh would give the appearance of a female front rather than over worn over a male right one. So it's a gaff, so it slides into the underwear okay. and it would look like uh you have Do they use that on drag race then? Uh no, they don't. Um it would mainly be for um like people who are doing it in day to day life rather than in a show. Okay. Or for playing a character. It would be for people who are dressing daily to have uh, the appearance of a... I have never heard of a gaff before. Well, I got sent a lot of screenshots from a lot of my American friends <laughs> saying, trying to find your book. And I mean, I've got, come across some really beautiful vaginas, but... So I'm, are you going to have to change the name if it goes to America? I don't think so. I think... Um, You're going to reclaim the word gaff I in th- a different way? Yeah, and I think as well, like, it's not... It's commonly used if you're in... If you're Those circles. in that market... And people, you know, you'd know straight away. But I do think as well, like Gaff, it is in um, London a lot. Like people, like one guy said to me, that's because the Irish built London. I was like, all right. Um, but I think a lot because of people Because the, Eng- the English use gaffer a lot, gaffer, don't they, for yeah. boss. Yeah, especially boss on a building site. Yeah. So, you Interesting. know, but a lot of like, um, like estate agents now that I work with that I've seen the book or whatever, they're like, oh yeah, Gaff, like, you know. But um, so it is known, but it's here, it's just like common knowledge but um, I think it stands out then in other places you know because it's like what's gaff I know mm. goddess and have you read the Ashling books yeah I love them um, I feel like Ashling would love this Aisling book Ashling would live for this book yeah she really would I think like because Emer's on the front of it as well <laughs> and um, Emer one of the co-writers of yeah, Ashling yeah and um, like Ashling would absolutely love it and I think like it's something that like Irish women, I don't know, there's just like, I think Irish women are a special type of women where it's kind of like, they can do it no, but like, they can do anything no bother, you know, like they really, and I know that for like, lived in Scotland and London and like worked in New York at one stage and like, you meet, I've met a, like a lot of people and different women and stuff like that, but it's when an Irish woman, you, they just can, they're just women who can, you know, and I just think like, this book is like giving an Irish woman who can anyway, even more knowledge about things that people think women shouldn't know about, like 
It's going to be amazing. So what's next then? Because you're going to have all the publicity for this and hopefully sell loads of books. Um, what Are you thinking another one? Are you thinking a different kind of branching out? I like I've just been thinking like about getting back to work and like <laughs> the day job. This, we've got this issue with this like leaking pipe in one of the flats and it's literally just been like at the back of my mind all the time. But uh, and like, I have over 50 tenants. So like it's but I would. So like, you sort of manage properties. Yeah. For, so I'll, yeah. I'll buy them then for my boss, buy them and then I'll go in on the first day. They'll either be a riot and left in a terrible condition or they'll have somebody who really cared for their home living in there. And then I'll have to, I have about a week to a week and a half to bring it back up to a really good standard, build all the furniture, decorate it, stage it, get the photographer around and then down to like sparkling water in the fridge. And like, I like to leave like like really nice throws on the couch. So that, like I imagine the tenant like calling like home on the first night sitting, you know, on the couch. And because we always say we want the houses, people to want to live there for a long time and stuff. So like it and then once if anything happens in the flat time, who they call then. So like God, it's a big job. And I, I imagine quite male dominated that whole yeah. sector. So have you experienced much sexism? Like daily. <laughs> like, what kind of things? What are the classic things? So, I mean, often... Sorry, I had to take a drink no there because it like mixed mixed with the anger of all the sexism. <laughs> made my mouth dry out there. Um, I was going to say, well, don't worry, we'll edit that one. We might leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to take a drink to calm myself down. Um, so I think a lot of times um, I don't like walk in being like, you know, take me seriously because yeah. I'm just like, what? You're yourself. Yeah, and I'm just like, they'll learn. They'll see that you're totally yeah. more than capable. And they'll learn and it's, you know what I mean, if they learn on my time, they learn on my time. If they don't, what about it? You know, they'll look stupid twice then. So, like, they'll say to me, like, oh, I thought the investor was coming. Are you the secretary? Are you the PA? Are you the, you know, and like my mom is a PA and I could never do her job. So I'm kind of thinking, first of all, you're saying yeah. a really important job is a crap job. And then you're also assuming that I wouldn't be part of the decision making. And then when I'm offering on the flats... Offering the sort of payment or... Yeah. And like, like I'm hardly going to be offering over what I should be offering. And they literally say, like, listen, Laura, get one of the guys to call us from the office. And I'm like, listen, Jacob, I know you're 23, but like, are you actually kidding? You know, like, they think that you're, you're just like a lesser being, you know, and it's very much like private school and you know, over in London and, you know, a lot of like pinky rings and pointed toe shoes and you know what I mean? It's like a bad like drag show, basically. <laughs> and like they they don't take it seriously, but then you just show them, you know what I mean? And like you don't make a point of showing them, but they'll see. That's what I always think. And like my boss always says that he's like, oh, like bigger fool them, you know. Yeah, he sounds like you've got a good boss. He's great. He's really positive and like he's very, like he's tough. Like he wouldn't be where he was and be as successful as he was if he was a soft touch. Mm. I'll put it that way. <laughs> so what next? So I would love to, I, they, like there's a lot of stuff has been coming through and I'm just seeing where everything kind of lands. Like I'm not really wanting to go down big things in social media and stuff like that. I'm not good at it. And I like to do things that come naturally easy to me because I'm quite busy with work and stuff like that. And I, It's a good rule in life generally though. Yeah. A lot of time we're trying to be good at things that are going to take us longer to be good at. Whereas yeah. if you take the stuff you already have an affinity yeah. with yeah. and build on that, like you're more likely for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean... And an interest and a passion for as well. Exactly. Like, and like I wasn't good at, let's say, loads of DIY, but I was passionate about yeah. it. And also just because someone else is doing really well doing something, it doesn't mean it's going to suit you, you know. 
and they're like some stuff that's been coming through has been really interesting and I'm like just I'm just going to see you and I'm I always think like your second brain is your gut and like my gut's going to tell me kind of next but I am open to doing more kind of teaching and I'd love to do more stuff focusing because this book is like a really big thread running through it is for renters and I just feel like renters are their forgotten people in interior you know like or not even renters it's like renters people who can't make changes so people who have low budgets or who are renting or it's a small space or they're living at home or they're just renting one room in a flat like where is their learning and I if I if I can do more like there exploring that I think that's where I'd love to go and observing the rental crisis and the just the property crisis in general here in terms of homelessness and people not being able to get on the property ladder not being able to rent or afford Mm -hmm. them what are you thinking from the industry perspective from London in London, it's I haven't lived in Ireland in over like ten years, so it's I've never rented here. I went from my mum's then to living in Edinburgh. Like like I'm not a good authority on it over here, and like the London market is a lot different, you know. And it's I only hear stories from my friends that are renting, and like obviously you hear new stories coming through, and it's just shocking. Like it has to change, and again because I'm not an authority that knows enough about it, I don't have that answer, you know. I only know from my point of view. As a renter all the time, I've never rented luxurious properties, you know, like I've never had big places or had like money to burn rent wise. I've always had to make the best of what I had. And I think that's the kind of place I can help in. You know what I mean? It's like I'm never going to be able to like cure big deals in in the housing crisis. But I am one thing I feel like I can help with is like making people take like more ownership of their space and being happier in it. You know, I feel like that, like we talk about doing things you're good at. And I think that's something I could definitely see myself like kind of like doing more projects in and things like that. You know? Yeah. Well, I think that's a really nice place to end it because uh, it's just enhancing people's lives, empowering people to. That's a lovely phrase, take ownership of the space, which can sound a bit meaningless, but it's not. It's mm-hmm. like this is where you live. And like you said earlier about doing these things every day, making the place as convenient and as just comfortable um, mm-hmm. as you can because yeah. I think we are all really busy and sometimes it can feel like you don't have time to stop and do those things but they can make such a big difference if you do just read your book and uh, <laughs> take the advice that's in it. So Yeah, and I think a lot of things with our home is we're kind of told that aesthetically what it's supposed to be. Mm. Like, you know, I go into a lot of homes where it's like tea, coffee, sugar, empty containers on the counter like when did that start and when is it going to end I can't stand those things I cannot stand them why does why do things have to say tea and coffee on them coffee sugar and it's like it's like a staff canteen why are they always empty because no one uses loose tea anymore like sugar was in the 90s coffee's going to go off when it's in something that's not sealed airtight you know we drank different kind of instant coffee they're still selling this shit though and they're still staging houses with it in it and it's still people still think like they're moving into the house get them a tea coffee sugar set and I'm thinking (laughs) you're wretched so like it's that kind of thing you need to set what should be on your counter like you're an individual because I see people a lot when I, I view loads of properties and you see someone has set up this beautiful corner but it's just having their clothes resting on it the whole time you know like would you not just instead get like that corner should just be a nice little rail of your constant wares you know like your work that could be a little rail in the corner of just your work clothes instead of a velvet chair that you saw on Pinterest that you stack your work clothes on you know it's like set your home up it's you like it's your day and your space and you're paying for it it should work around your day rather than work for a photograph 
Okay, I think you should do a TV program. That's what I think. Next, I would love to go into something like that. Okay, yeah, okay, well, I would. watch this space. Um, Laura <laughs> Debarra and the Gaff Goddess, which is for men and women. Yeah. we should say very clearly. So, if there's any men in your lives that need a bit of DIY or SheIY or HeIY, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, get this book, uh, Laura. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. And that's it for today. My guests were Laura Debarra, the Gaff Goddess. It's in all good bookshops, and Orla Condon and Orla's podcast is my pod on paper remember you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts we're on Spotify Acast and all good podcast apps if you want to get in touch we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com the podcast is produced by me Roisin Ingle and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound until next time thanks for listening Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 